0: It's Meteorological Meteorological Monday on the Weather Jazz Podcast. Podcast. Whether you like it or not. Good Monday. It's a brand new work week and today is Monday, April 12th, 2021 and you're listening to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything. Weather, science, earth science, astronomy, geology, you name it, I have it. Periodically, too, interesting off-topic episodes, and uh, we have those typically on Friday, but they can come at any time. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the Senior Meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio, and this is episode number 176, again for Monday, April 12, 2021. And wow, we've got a jam-packed program for you today, and today's episode is titled Cinnamon Bun in the Sky. Now, what in the world? could I be talking about? Okay, I come from a family that is very, very well steeped in the culinary arts. Some of you know this already because I've talked about it periodically um, in perhaps some of the off-topic episodes when I had my brother talking about how to make creme fraiche, for instance. You see, when I was growing up, we lived in a restaurant. My mother and father ran a restaurant. My uncle Gene ran a five star French restaurant in Hyannis, and all of the Hollywood stars would go there because they would come in and perform at the Cape Cod Melody Tent. For those of you familiar with the Cape Cod area, the Melody Tent has been there for a long time, and it is one of the staples of entertainment in Hyannis, Massachusetts, uh, out on Cape Cod. And so, uh, oh, and my grandmother, I have to mention her, my grandmother on my mother's side was the first female head chef at the Chateau Frontenac in Quebec City. And this, uh, during an era, right around 1900, when female head chefs were few and far between. So, Many, many times I look at an image and I think of food. Now, in the show notes on today's episode, 176, if you go to the first photo just below the player for episode 176, you will see a satellite image from Sunday morning at 921 a.m. It's the GOES-16 visible uh, image of the eastern U.S., in particular the Ohio Valley. And you can click on that image and actually uh, blow it up on your monitor and check it out. Because it, to me, it looks like a giant cinnamon bun in the sky. I always talk about a cinnamon swirl, a cinnamon, cinnamon bun, a breakfast croissant, uh, whatever you prefer. To me, it's, it's a giant swirl that is very prevalent at this time of year. These are cut-off low-pressure systems and cut-off cold pools. And often they drag in an arch, what we call a dry slot. That is clearly visible. Of course, ahead of the dry slot or to the east, that's where we were on Saturday night with all that heavy rain. And right behind the dry slot, you have... The wraparound moisture often with, loaded with showers, and that's what we're seeing on this Monday. Uh, we're seeing quite a few showers that are more on than off. They're light showers. It's not anything too heavy, but certainly you have to turn on the windshield washer uh, or the wipers in order to uh, see clearly if you're driving out and about. And often the dry slot, that dry tongue that you see curling into the comma of the low-pressure system is what I call foolish clearing. Why do I call it foolish clearing? Because when initially after you have the heavy band of rain, you see this clearing move in. And if it's during the day, the sun comes out, it looks great, but it fools you into believing that the system is done when, in fact, nothing could be farther from the truth with these cutoff low-pressure systems because you have the wraparound moisture that pulls it in. Go check it out. It's very, very cool. And uh, at this time of year, these are somewhat common. In the months of March, April, even in May, I remember some classic examples, and this is about as classic as you get of these cold pools, cutoff low pressure systems. And we call them cutoffs, by the way, because they are cut off from the winds aloft flow. Uh, think of the winds aloft like a river. And you put a block of wood in the river, and the block of wood essentially gets pushed around by the river. Well, the blocks of wood are the surface highs and surface lows, and the river is essentially what carries them. But the winds aloft cannot push these around too easily. They're cut off from the main flow. They are an entity within themselves. That's what makes them such an interesting thing to study in meteorology. They move relatively slowly. They take their time. They can't get pushed out. They can't get hurried. And so we're going to be dealing with these showers at least for another 24 hours before they move out. Once it does, it looks like uh, temperatures will be pretty close to normal. Well, before I get into a few other stats that are interesting so far on this Monday, April the 12th, I want to talk a, a little bit about the very cold air in Alaska. National Weather Service and Fairbanks this weekend Uh, indicated some rather crispy overnight lows. In some cases, uh, we had some record-breaking daily record lows uh, for the weekend. In Fairbanks, on Saturday, it was 28 below zero. And that's, again, without the wind chill. All of these temperatures I'm going to give you are what the thermometer read. Of course, you factor in some wind. And uh, those wind chills are much lower than these. Bettles got down to 35 below. That was a record for the date. Tana 30 below. Fort Yukon 32 below. Delta Junction had a new record low of 24 below. Northway 27 below. And uh, Selcha had an overnight low. Get this. This is again on the thermometer. It's not a wind chill. Salchik got down to 42 below zero Fahrenheit this past weekend. So lots of record lows in Alaska. Uh, and we had the amazing plume from an, a, a very violently uh, erupting uh, volcano, not the one in Iceland. That one is very quiet compared to the violent eruption that occurred on the Caribbean island of St. Vincent that sent ash and plumes up into the air 20,000 feet. In fact, the GOES-16 satellite, the very same one that snapped an image of the uh, cutoff low-pressure system, that giant cinnamon swirl in the sky, is the very same satellite that also on board has an ash cloud uh, uh, camera, if you will, and it also can detect sulfur dioxide being released. And this particular uh, eruption down in St. Vincent on the extreme eastern end of the Caribbean uh, had uh, just a phenomenal signature from the GOES-16 satellite. I will upload on my show notes for episode 176 once more uh, a look-see at that particular loop. And you're going to see the the puffs of uh, ash and sulfur dioxide just getting thrown up into the atmosphere many many miles high and um, may in fact uh, eventually once it circles the earth and begins to disperse a little bit and it with under the right conditions it get pulled up into the middle latitudes might be responsible for some interesting sunsets here in the coming weeks but not in the short short term, uh, that has not occurred yet, but it certainly is worth uh, taking a look at. Again, show notes, weather show, uh, rather 176, the episode on weatherjazz.com. Uh, and one more thing before we take a short break is the fact that we have seen some interesting climate stats come in. For not only the month of April, remember, 3.7 inches at Hopkins Airport uh, fell on January the 1st, and that was the most uh, since Christmas Day. Now, some of you have called me at the TV station locally and saying, hey, I remember driving a lot more than 3.7 inches on such and such a date in January or February. Well, yeah, you're right, but that was for your backyard, Please remember that all of the official numbers come from the National Weather Service at Hopkins Airport. And therefore, we can now compare apples to apples. Uh, So to compare Hopkins Airport with uh, another backyard 10 miles away um, is like comparing apples to oranges, especially given the fact that we live next to a body of water, Lake Erie, that can dynamically cause many changes vis-a-vis lake effect uh, to those numbers so again we started the month of april with 3.7 inches of snow and normal value is 2.1 and so we're actually one and a half inches above normal for the month of uh, april however since the snow season began we should be at 66.9 inches and we're only at 46.9 inches. We're actually 20 inches below normal. And that is uh, below normal more so than I thought that we would see. Naturally, uh, long range forecasting is uh, a, a bit on the very uncertain side. There are a lot of variables that are included. But when we go down to Akron Canton Regional Airport, now here's the surprise. Because uh, for the entire season up to this point, 46.5 inches, Akron Canton Airport, and normal is 46.3. They're actually 0.2 inches above normal for the season. Essentially, 0.2 is, is saying that it is normal. Let's look at Youngstown. Youngstown, just a little below normal, they're at 55 inches for the season. They're actually more than Cleveland. That's unusual. And normal for the season is 61.6, so they're 6.6 inches under normal. Again, just a little below normal. And Mansfield Airport is essentially the same, 39.4 inches for the season, should be at 47.2, so they're just under 8 inches below normal. So a little below normal, most areas. Akron Canton right at normal, uh, thanks to a couple of interesting snow scenarios that gave Akron Canton more snow than Hopkins Airport and Hopkins is 20 inches below normal. Really wild stuff. Well, I'm going to take a a look at a couple of other things looking forward now into the future right after we take a very short break. So hang tight because we're going to be looking ahead at the rest of April. All right, we're back with the second half of episode 176, the giant cinnamon bun in the sky. But now let's focus our attention ahead. I'm going to do that here in just a second. Uh, Scott Sable and I had the opportunity to chat back and forth via SMS, basically texting. Before I get into that, I do want to send my uh, loving condolences to a very, very special, uh, the friend of a family, Michael Contour. I met Michael about uh, four years ago, and Michael is uh, was a special needs uh, student, and he just absolutely loved weather. In fact, I have been told by his family that, Everyone in the house had to absolutely be quiet while my weather segments were on at WJW and television. And in fact, if anybody was in the room, he would say, now sit down and pay attention. uh, Because he just, he loved, he had a fascination with weather. He loved weather. Uh, I had the chance to meet him and his family about four years ago michael could not have been uh, any sweeter he was just a wonderful wonderful person who made me feel right at home and uh, at any rate michael went home to be with the lord over the weekend uh, at uh, the tender age of 60 and uh, truly remarkable remarkable man i look forward to meeting up with him again Uh, in heaven where he has been made fully whole, and uh, really, he was an amazing uh, person in the sense that his love for weather, I think, surpassed mine, (laughs) which is really difficult to believe, but uh, he was uh, an amazing, amazing person. I'm going to miss him. I know his family is going to miss him, but it's just temporary until uh, we all meet up together in the Lord's presence, so... Uh, again Michael contour a uh, wonderful young man and let me introduce you to Michael in heaven someday please remind me if you're listening to this podcast put the name in the back of your of your mind and uh, in eternity I must make sure that everybody has the chance to meet michael a, a remarkable young man okay let's start moving ahead and talking about the future, medium-range forecasting. Long-range forecasting really deals with summer and beyond. And eventually, we will get to that point. I'm going to be having Scott Sable on with me at some point, and we will discuss the summer weather outlook in just a little while. But medium term deals with really the next couple of weeks, two to four weeks-ish. Um, and that has some elbow room dependent on just exactly what the atmosphere is trying to tell us. And uh, Scott, this morning in our group text, uh, of course, we, we get together periodically online and just uh, texting ideas, looking at different weather parameters. Scott is really an amazing person when it comes to keeping track of all of the medium and long-range parameters. And there are increasing numbers of them now, Um, many more than when I started in in the business uh, back in 1981 after I graduated from Linden State College in Northeast Vermont. So Scott Sable this morning uh, mentioned that he was watching some long-range elements, in particular, a persistent trough in the eastern half of the country. And it seems to be wanting to lock into place, perhaps even for the rest of the month of April. And this will be reinforced by uh, potentially something that I had not uh, seen, but something that Scott did. It was a recurving typhoon. In the Western Pacific, and over the next 10 to 14 days, that will keep a a certain parameter. We call it the PNA for short. It stands for Pacific North American Oscillation. It's one of those teleconnections. It's one of those parameters that we look at for long-range and medium-range forecast. When the PNA goes positive, and indeed this typhoon will tend to prop up the PNA and keep it positive. When the PNA is positive, it tends to have the effect of keeping the cool air in place in the eastern half of the United States. Uh, And uh, the EPO, which is another teleconnection, is negative, also points to a cooler than normal eastern half of the U.S. And... uh, there's one more element, too. There's something called the MJO, Madden-Julian Oscillation. And it's an interesting-looking parameter when you actually look at the graph itself. But it is in what we call the Phase 7. And Phase 7, In it, it, by the way, it appears to be locked into Phase 7. And that also has a tendency to strongly favor cooler than normal weather in the eastern U.S. for as long as a couple of weeks. So we may be dealing with temperatures that are at or below normal, occasionally coming up to normal and then going below. And we might be looking at a number of these cutoff low-pressure systems, just like we're seeing today. Uh, If you want to see that classic example, make sure you go to Uh, weatherjazz.com episode 176 and go look at that satellite image and that's why we've titled it the giant cinnamon bun in the sky so we are looking at uh, putting away the record warmth if you remember last week in the ohio valley for those of you that live in the ohio valley we had record highs in the 70s and even 80s for a time and we even started April off with the four inches of snow, which is crazy. And last week, last meteorological Monday, we called it. This is a crazy month because here we start start with snow, and only a couple of days later we're dealing with record highs. Well, now we're going to shift back into a cooler than normal pattern on average, but that will have some variations. We'll be cooler than normal, and then we'll hit normal. Um, periodically between now and what appears to be the end of April. So there you essentially have it. Before I let you go, a couple more things. Let me see. At least one more. Well, we've got two more things. Uh, Today, by the way, is the 87th anniversary of the Big Wind in fact, it's the speed surface speed record for wind in the globe and it was on the summit of Mount Washington in New Hampshire on April the 12th, 1934 and the speed wind record is 231 miles per hour. The wind gusted to 231 and as the story goes, it, the anemometer wasn't showing that, but the wind was so strong that the icing had built up on the anemometer. And so one of the meteorologists actually climbed out of the weather center as bad as the wind sounded and went up with a, a club or a hammer or whatever it was that they knocked all the ice off. He knocked all the ice off of the anemometer and carefully climbed back into the weather center and then looked at the instrument on that April the 12th, 1934, and saw that the wind was not gusting to 100 and something miles an hour. It was actually gusting to 231. So that meteorological uh, individual, the engineer, the meteorologist that was on duty, he was actually hanging on for dear life trying to knock the ice off of the anemometer in winds that were gusting to over 200 miles per hour. And my guess is that if he knew that the winds were gusting to over 200 miles an hour, he would not have attempted to go out there to smack the ice off the anemometer. But thank goodness he did, because we now know that that is the record. The surface, even though it's at the top of a mountain, is still the Earth's surface, at 6,288 feet above sea level. But that is the surface uh, wind record for the globe, 231 miles per hour, 87 years ago today. One more thing before we go, I'm also going to place on the show notes, weatherjazz.com, episode 176, what uh, was an interesting uh, occurrence over the weekend. In Panama City Beach over the weekend there was a waterspout that came on shore but the waterspout actually came on shore and hit a high rise now waterspouts are very distant weak cousins of a tornado dynamics are the same but the the reasons behind each are a little different so the water spouts can be strong enough to capsize boats and kind of push things around. If you have deck furniture and produce and carry with it a ton of water because it lifts water up, that's how you see a waterspout. And the minute it moves on shore, it essentially begins to dissipate. But uh, this one moved on shore. And before it dissipated, it hit the high rise where this gentleman was. Uh, you need to go see this because it is just amazing, and the perspective was something that was definitely unique. I've never seen before, and uh, I was certainly glad that somebody uh, was uh, rolling on it in, in this day and age of uh, social media and electronic gizmos like cell phones that can record video. Uh, it was uh a perspective that I will soon not forget. So I will post that in show notes on weatherjazz.com episode number 176. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Help me to spread the word of this podcast as best as you can, using all available means. That includes email, social media, or simply, by word of mouth, right over the fence to your next-door neighbor. Special thanks to all who have partnered to support Weather Jazz. Andrea Rich from Tennessee, Bill Martin from Florida, Rose Moore in Ohio, Christine Barnes in Ohio, Will and Tonya Krause in Ohio, Victoria Singer in Vermont, and Dale Osborne in Kirtland, Ohio. And... Would you like to add your name to that? I'd love to highlight that. It's easy to become a supporter. You'll find the links at the bottom of every episode's show notes, and you can partner at any one of three levels. Do you have a question or a topic suggestion? I welcome your input. You can easily reach me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. And now... Via voicemail at the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. That number is 234 525 5888. Not to worry, if you're driving, I don't want you to become distracted. Keep your eyes on the road. Just go to weatherjazz.com at some point. That number, along with all of this other information, is at the bottom of the show notes. Hey, I've got something special for you on Wednesday. On Wednesday, I will be highlighting an interview I did with one of the engineers at NASA who was responsible for putting the helicopter on the surface of Mars. Remember, the Martian atmosphere is extremely thin. We discovered that on a previous Edition and episode of Weather Jazz. As a matter of fact, it was just a few episodes ago. So, how in the world do they get a helicopter to work when the atmosphere is so thin? Along with a couple of other questions, too, that my guest, the engineer from NASA, said that's a great question. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to release that episode on Wednesday, right here on Weather Jazz. See you then. And science across the, globe. All across, the globe. All across the globe. The Weather Jazz Podcast.